Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. The city of Samaria was under siege and had been under siege for a long, long time. The enemy was not allowing any food in, you know, and nobody to bring uh, resupplies. Um, and the people were starving to death. And it got so bad that cannibalism started to occur. I mean, it was really getting bad. And um, just outside the walls of the city were where the lepers lived because they were kind of outcasts of society. They weren't allowed to live in the city, so they lived right outside the city. But they were starving to death, too. And, and they finally reached a conclusion amongst themselves. Four of them said, you know, why, why are we just sitting here waiting to die? Let's, let's go, let's try something. Let's go and, and give ourselves up to the enemy. Let's go to the enemy camp and give ourselves up. They just might let us live. And the worst thing that's gonna happen is they're gonna kill us. And we're dying anyway. And so they, they set out to do that. And as they came close to the camp, all of a sudden they realized no one was there. And what had happened, what they didn't know, is that God had caused this enemy army to, to hear what they believed were uh, big armies coming to rescue the city of Samaria, so much so that they, they got scared and they, they just took off and ran and left everything behind. All their food, all the, the, the possessions that they had gotten in their warfare, left it all behind. And so these lepers, also they have food to eat. And they are eating. I would say they were eating, right? They were having a feast and enjoying this. They were also grabbing things that were worth a lot of money and going and hiding it, coming back and eating it. And all of a sudden it hit one of them. That all the people back in Samaria were still dying. And they knew, they had the solution. They knew the solution. And so one of them says, what this, we're not doing what's right. This is a day of good news and we remain silent. All right, so they headed back to the city and they, they told everyone and then the people came out and ate and all these lives were saved because they chose not to be silent. And so we've been talking about this for the last couple weeks and, and uh, we talk about applying this to our own lives because we're very much like those lepers, aren't we? We, we are, uh, without Christ, we are lost. Without Christ, all of our sins we are still uh, have to pay for. There's still a judgment and justice that must be done. And, and we are in a world of hurt, not just now, but when this life is over. We will spend an eternity in hell if we do not receive Christ as Savior. And, and so we're in the same situation. Then what Christ did for us, he, he came to earth and lived this perfect and sinless life and, and died on the cross. And as he dies on the cross, he, he pays the full penalty for me and my sin. Every sin I have ever committed or will commit in my whole life. Every sin that you ever have or ever will commit in your whole life. Sins of the whole world. Jesus died doing that. And somehow by God's grace, we came to know about it, didn't we? God brought somebody to us. God brought someone to us who did not remain silent. Someone who came to us and maybe talked about the gospel, or it might have just been simply that they said, hey, why, why don't you come to church with me? 
And they come to church and then they hear the, the gospel explained. They hear this good news. And so God has worked in our lives where we now are not facing hell. We, we have eternal life and, and better than that, we have him living inside of us and we're gonna talk a little bit about that today. We have all this and yet, do you agree with me that far too often we remain silent about it? Are you with me on that? I mean, you know, some of us have, you know, different personalities and maybe it comes easier to some of us than others. But the reality is, is we all need to be concerned about how do we help these people around us in the world who don't know Christ, who, who have not experienced this good news. How do we help them know the good news and be able to respond to it? Okay. And so what we did is last week we said, I think one of the reasons that we don't typically um, share the good news, or it feels awkward, is because we don't really think about what the good news is. And so we saw last week, there's two really big concepts that are extremely good news, and that's that when we receive Christ, we receive a total pardon. How many of your sins were forgiven when you received Christ? All, even the ones you haven't committed yet? Yes, absolutely. He died for every sin that you would ever commit, paid the penalty in full. Therefore, when you receive Christ as Savior, that pardon is applied to you and you do not have to pay. Okay? Man, do we deserve that? No, but by grace and his love for us, he has done it. Now, what we, that's really, really good news. And it's also, it's more than that, it's an absolute acceptance by him. We, we mentioned last week and talked about um, the idea that there are people in our lives probably who have done us wrong, who have hurt us deeply, and, but we've chosen to forgive them, uh, and we have forgiven them, but we kind of hope they just stay out of our lives. Is anybody here besides me? That anybody? You guys have experienced that? Yeah, right. And it's not that we wish them ill, we're not, you know, we've generally forgiven, but we just kind of hope they stay away. God doesn't do that to us. He could have every right to say, I've forgiven you, but man, you know, you just leave me alone. God could say, I don't want to mess with you anymore, but he doesn't. Not only has he forgiven every sin, but he has accepted us unconditionally. There's nothing I can do now that will cause God to unaccept me. Now, he'll tell me straight up what I'm not doing isn't right, but my relationship is not at risk. Isn't that amazing? Yet when you receive Christ, you now have a relationship that is a forever relationship that will never be at risk. Now, you know, it may not always be, feel real close, or may not, but the point is the relationship is there. And all we have to do is yield again to God and lean into the relationship to experience it. And so this is what God has done for us. Now, um, one of the things that we talked about last week was this idea that the gospel is more than just about, when we use the terminology, being saved, right? Saved from the penalty of our sins. It's, it's bigger than that. It's not just about receiving Christ and getting our sins forgiven and having eternal life in heaven. The gospel is good news for every part of your life, for every aspect of it. And I, I kind of picture it like this. Here's what, what we tend to do with the gospel. Uh, it's to think of a piece of bread. And, and I'm not eating bread these days, so sometimes I think of a piece of bread and it's like, wow, I think of a piece of bread. <laughs> but um, think of your favorite bread. You know, think of the best bread you've ever had. And, and what do most of the time you want to put on your bread? Butter, that's right, man, oh, that's good stuff. So you get the butter and, and you do it, and maybe you're at a table and you want to be placed, you, know, you, just, you just push it you know, on the big chunk on the edge of the bread. 
And then what do you do? Then you spread it over the rest of the bread. And when I'm saying for a lot of us, when it comes to being a, a believer and understanding the gospel, what we've done is we've taken it and just put it on the edge. And we've left it there. And what needs to happen is we need to spread this gospel butter across the rest of our lives and understand that. Okay, we want to understand this good news. And so that's what we want to talk about here today. Because if you don't do this, you will find at some point that your Christian life is not working for you. You will find that something is just missing. Yeah, you know all the right things and you feel like you're doing all the right things, and, but just something just, it isn't what you think it ought to be. And it's probably because it's not. All right? So let's talk about this. What really happens when we receive Christ as Savior? What really happens? Well, before we dig down to that, I want to just talk to you a little bit about how we are made up. When God created us, how did He make us as human beings? The Bible says, it talks about he made us with three, I say distinct, three distinct parts and yet they're all intertwined with each other. But it's, it's helpful for us to understand these three parts and understand how they work in our lives. Uh, in uh, 1 Thessalonians, Paul talking about our spiritual growth and he talks about how you know, we, we need to grow and to be, work to become blameless in three areas, in our spirit, in our soul, and in our body. Okay, so those are the three parts we want to talk about for a little bit here today. And so I'm going to uh, illustrate this by talking from different places up here today. The first part of us that the Bible lists there is our spirit, all right? So our spirit, that is the part of us deep down inside that really is like the most fundamental, most foundational part of our nature. It's, it's our identity and who we are. We are spiritual beings. God made human beings spiritual beings. That's part of how we are in his image, okay? So we are spiritual beings, we have a spirit. I shouldn't, maybe back up, I would say we are a spirit. We are a spiritual being. It is in our spirits that we are able to actually interact with God and, and be directly connected, okay? Because God is a what? Spirit. And it's in our spirit that, you know, he can have that close relationship. And then there is our soul. And when we think of our soul, we think more of our personality. We think of our mind and how we think about things. We think of our will and how we choose things, the choices we make. We think of our emotions, how we feel about things, all right? And, and so that is sort of a distinct part. And I say distinct again because, like I said, they're all kind of intertwined. Do you know what's really hard for us to make? The distinction. But God makes the distinction. And so it's helpful to us to understand that. And then, so I am a spirit. I am a spiritual being. I have a soul and I live in a body. That's right, okay? So I have a body, all of this in this body. This body is temporary, the body will go, right? The body will die. The Bible compares it sometimes to a tent that when it's, it's all done, it gets folded up and put away. And that's the way our bodies are. And when that happens, our spirit and soul Go on living somewhere. All right, so let's talk about what happened. Adam and Eve, God has given them a commandment, one commandment that they were not to, to uh, disobey, they were free to do it, basically anything else they wanted. They, we know the story, right, what they do. They broke the one commandment. And God had told them, the day that you disobey me, you will die, all right? And so here they are, they, they uh, disobey God and 
Oh, they know it. Man, do they know it. You can see immediately so many things have changed. This feeling of shame, this feeling of needing to hide, uh, separation from God, separation from each other, all these things they were experiencing, but they were still standing there, breathing, thinking, able to talk. They end up having a conversation with God. But God said the day you eat, you will what? Die. So what's the deal? Well, they died spiritually. Their spirit became deadened to God. Whereas before, they had the potential for this free and open relationship, and now sin has come along and deadened them spiritually. We could say they are spiritually dead. And this is the way every one of us are. Before we come to Christ, we are spiritually dead. Um, the Bible talks about this in Romans chapter five when it says, therefore just as by one man, Adam, sin entered the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men, all of us, because we what? We've all sinned, right? And so here we are, we are all, we start off before we come to Christ, we are spiritually dead. We are guilty of all the sins and we are also spiritually dead. Now, what happens is that spiritual deadness, well, let me back up just a minute. What if you have um, some food and you have uh, some meat in, let's say, in a cooler, you're going someplace and doing something, and one of those pieces of meat goes bad and it's sitting between other pieces, what starts to happen? That decay starts to what? to spread, right? It begins to infect. That's what happens to us. We are born spiritually dead to God, you know, very self-centered in our lives. We, we don't have that. And what it does, it, it, it creeps out into our souls. It doesn't take long at all. And now all of a sudden, my thinking is messed up by sin. This deadness that's here starts to corrupt my soul, my thinking. It begins to corrupt my decisions. It begins to corrupt even how I feel about things. And so, over here we would say, I am dead, I am spiritually dead. Now, in my soul, I am now in the process of dying because that's just more and more, you know, working its way out into our lives. And then what will happen to our bodies? They what? They will die. They will die, okay? So this is where we are at before we come to uh, Christ. In the, the book of Ephesians, Paul says, he says, and you, he has made alive, who were what? Dead in trespasses and sins. So this is the way we were. Now, when we come to an understanding that we are lost, that we are dead to God, that we have sinned against him and we understand who Jesus is and we receive Christ as Savior, Bible says he forgives every sin uh, and he comes, he gives us eternal life and he comes to live inside of us. But so let's talk about what happens here when we receive Christ as Savior. And we, we find um, a reference to this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Let's look there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, is page 1330 in the Bible that's there in the chairs. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold what? All things have become new. All right, so 
What's this? This idea of being in Christ, that means when we receive Christ as Savior, he moves in and we get put into him. We are now in Christ. But what happens here is in our spirit, our spirit comes to life. We were dead to God, but when we receive Christ as Savior, he forgives the sins, and this is where I want to say, now we've got to start spreading the butter across the rest of our lives here, okay? The gospel butter. So he, he not only uh, forgives the sins, but he moves in. And when God moves in to your spirit, guess what? It, it can't be a dead spirit anymore. It becomes alive, very much alive to God, so much so that you are a new creation. I'm gonna uh, focus in on that a little more in just a moment. Uh, yeah, well, before I do that, let me just stop. How many of you have received Christ as Savior? Yeah, yeah, I have, right, okay. So, it says here that you became a new creation at that moment. And then it says this, old things have passed away, all things are new. Is there any old stuff still in your life? Any old ways of thinking? Any old habits? Any old feelings? So what's up? The Bible says it's passed away. Is the Bible true? We got a little problem here, don't we? Okay, it's not a really big problem. We can figure it out pretty easy. Jesus talked about this when he was talking to Nicodemus and he said that you must be born again. And what he meant by that is born of the spirit. That's John three, we put that up. Uh, you must be born again, born of the what? Spirit, all right. So where do you become a new creation? In your spirit, in your spirit. The old, the dead spirit, all the deadness that was there, the corruption that was there, the, the evil, self-focused nature was there. It's gone. It's gone. You are now born of the spirit. You are a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. In your spirit, you look like Jesus when it comes to your character, your desires. The, the Bible talks about being in Christ. Once you're in Christ, you are now holy, you are now righteous, you are now loving, and, and we can go on down the list, all the things that it says because we are in Christ. And that is a reality in our spirits. Now, do you always feel like that's true? No, you don't feel like it's true, why? Well, because just like Adam and Eve were able to stand there before God with a dead spirit and still talk, and is, so it is that we now live with a new spirit, but the rest of our life has not been changed yet. We receive Christ as Savior, everything is made new. Now what has to happen, just like that old dead corruption and decay worked its way out, so now we, this life needs to work its way out. And it, we need to begin to let that life and the reality of what God has done in our life start to change how we think about things, change the kinds of decisions we make, change even really how we feel about things, which is then eventually going to do what? Change how we live through our bodies out in the world, and even more than that, one day our bodies will rise. We will come back to life. So this is what happens when we receive Christ. And so a process begins. And like I said, here we are. It's, it's been changed. That is the fact. God says it. You are forever changed in a deeply profound way in your spirit. Never to go back again. For all eternity changed. What we have to do is what Paul said when he said to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. 
Now, when you first read that, you might think, wait a minute, am I supposed to figure out how to get saved myself and save? He's not talking about that at all. This, this word work out means the idea to bring to completion or fullness. When it comes to having a relationship with God, the moment we receive Christ, that's settled, isn't it? Are you with me on this? So you guys feel like, you, okay, this is now settled. I have a forever relationship with Christ. I have his life within me. It is eternal, and I will continue to live. And when this body dies or when he comes to return, all this gets changed, and so that's good news. But in the meantime, what I am supposed to do and what you are supposed to do is take this reality, believe it, and then deepen our belief in it by living like it's true. We live like it's true because it is true. And so this is how we live this life. And and so this is, the Bible calls this a sanctification process, it's growth, and and this is what I want to talk to you about, growth. Now, let me just take a quick look at my notes because I don't want to leave anything out here. Right. Okay. So this idea of Christian growth, growing as a Christian, sometimes we use the terminology spiritual growth, uh, is about extending what God has done, the reality of what God has done in that deepest, most fundamental part of us, and extending that out into the rest of our lives where that truth begins to govern our lives and more and more our, our soul and how we live looks like that. Because how have we talked about this in our church? Three things we do. What are the three things we do? We surrender to the Lord, we grow to be like the Lord, we tell others about the Lord, okay? That pretty well covers everything. But that second one, we grow to be like the Lord. Now, I wanna tell you how much sense that makes because here we are, who do I look like in my spirit? Who do you look like in your spirit? You guys forget already? You, you look like the Lord here because he's come and live in it and he's intertwined with your spirit now. And so that life, his life, his righteousness, his holiness, his love, and on down the, the list goes. All of that is there. In our spirits, we are already like the Lord. Okay, we already are. And so that's what needs to work out in our lives. And so we grow to what? To be like the Lord, which means we grow to what this reality deep within us, we grow till the rest of our life looks like it. And by the way, it's a lifelong process. You're never gonna finish. As soon as you think you got it, you know, nailed, you're gonna discover something else that needs to change. But that's all right. It's it's not a big deal. God's cool with that as we keep walking with him. And the relationship is never at risk. So now why is it so important to understand this, of what God has done on the inside? Why, why is it so important? Because I do tend to make a big deal out of it because I think the Bible makes a big deal out of it and understanding how our Christian life works. And that's because it's going to affect how we think about growing. Because here's the thing. If I view myself as say, yeah, I'm just a sinner, just the way I am. I've tried, I've never got it all right. I, this is the way I am, it's the way I'm always gonna be. And you resign yourself to that fact, how's that gonna affect you out here when you're thinking about things? How's that gonna affect you when you're making your decisions? How's that gonna affect you, how you feel about what's going on, which you know, affects everything else? How, if you think you're nothing but a unchanged sinner, you see what I mean? What's your identity is gonna affect how you think about everything else. 
But if, if you realize that, wait a minute, I am changed. I do have this new life in me. The Lord himself lives within me. And, and deep down inside, I am who he wants me to be. Yeah, boy, I've messed up, but you know what? That's who I am. I can get up and go again. Yeah, I've, I've missed it someplace, right? But wait a minute, this is not who I am. This isn't my destiny, that is. And so it, it gives hope. It gives a reason to get up and go again. Otherwise, don't you just want to give up? Have you ever reached a point in your life as a Christian and you say, what's the point? Why am I trying? Because I just can't seem to get it. Well, the point is, is that God has done something here and he wants it to work out in your life and he will help you to work that out into your life. And what this is going to do is affect how you view your growth then. Here's what we have heard. You know, either it may not have been directly said, but we've caught it, right? Sometimes we catch things that weren't really taught, but we catch them anyway. And that's that there are certain things you need to do in life to be a good Christian. Now, as if I stood today and taught you, if I said, hey, if you really want to be a good Christian, here's some things you need to do, most of you would probably go, yeah, okay, that makes sense, and we'd talk about them. But so we hear, what are some things we, we need to do if we're going to be a good Christian? What, what are they? I'm actually asking for a response here. What's some things? Just say it out loud. Pray, pray. okay, you've got to pray to be a good Christian. What else? Read the Bible to be a good Christian. Good. What else? Give. give. Oh, I like that one. All right, you've got to give to be a good Christian. What else? Fellowship, Fellowship right? Serving other people. Uh, witnessing, to, sharing the faith. Good. Being yielded to God. Surrendering. Right. All those things. So we've we got to do all those things to be a good Christian. Let me show you what the Apostle Paul has to say about that. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3. Now, Paul was obviously in transition from being a Jew, and, and the Jews were God's people, and they did have the scriptures, and they had things God expected them to do, and he had transitioned to now being a follower of Christ with the truth and reality of all these things we've just talked about. In Philippians chapter 3, he kind of writes about this whole approach to having a relationship with Christ. And in verse 4, he says, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. And by that he means in the things that I bring to the table. Confidence in the things that I can do. All right? So he goes on. He says, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee. That meant he knew the law better than most people and lived the law much better than most people. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. And, and so the Apostle Paul is saying, when it comes to living the way God has said we should live, man, I did it. Now, I understand the transition, Judaism, Christianity, but just give me a little leeway here. Paul was saying, I was a very good Christian. Do you understand what I'm saying? I did all these things. I was all these things because I wanted to be a good believer in God. All right. And just compare that to the good things we talked about. Verse 7, he says, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Wow, so all these good things that I could do actually get in the way of what I, I could have in my relationship with Jesus. They get in the way. I know you're thinking, oh, wait, 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 Walt's saying 
reading the Bible, praying, all these things get in the way. Just hang in there with me, okay? Hang in a little longer. Verse 8, yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. And now listen carefully, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. He talks about the power of the, this resurrected life. He's talking about what has happened in our spirit, that he would know that in the rest of his life. And the fellowship of his sufferings, he, he wants to know Christ, how he suffered. Being conformed to his dead, death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. He's talking about that I might live this out in my life that it might be a reality in my life. But I want you to see here, Paul says, I have stopped working on trying to do good things so I can be a good follower of the Lord. Instead, what I realize is he is taking care of all the good things and what I need to do is get to know him. You see how he says that? What's more important to Paul here? What is the most important thing to Paul here, I would say? The most important thing to Paul here is that he would get to know the Lord in such a way that it changed, changed Paul to be like him. That's what Paul's saying here. I need to know him because that is the way I will be changed to be like him. And so Paul's example here is stop trying to be a good Christian. Stop trying to be a good Christian. You want to exchange that for this. A heartfelt conversation with God where you say, God, I want to know you. More than I want anything else in life, I want to know you. I want to know you in this relationship that I have with you. I want to know you in a way it's true and I want this to then color everything else in my life. We grow to be what? Like the Lord. Now, do you think if you're growing to be like the Lord that you're gonna have a problem doing good things? You see the difference? One way we're trying to do good things so somehow we might measure up. And by the way, in Galatians, Paul says, don't waste your time. He's already taken care of those good things, all right? You need to say, I want to know you because it is in knowing him this way, not just knowing about him, we do need to know about him, but in knowing him in this personal, intimate relationship is, that's going to change us. Because Jesus has always desired a relationship with you. That's what he's called you into. When you receive Christ as Savior, you become a child of God. You become a son or a daughter it's no longer about earning relationship. You have it. And that's what he desires. So what we need to do is figure out how do we lean into this relationship where we come to know Jesus better. And the reason this is important is because it's gonna change how you look at things. Because here's what I'm gonna say. All of those things that I told you stop doing, now we wanna start doing. But we wanna do them for a different reason and with a different way of thinking about them. Let me give you an illustration. Think of a sailboat. 
A sailboat, before the, the sails are up, when the sails are down, it just what? Sits dead in the water. But when you put the sails up, what happens? The sails catch the wind, and the wind drives then the sailboat along. Okay? Do the people on the boat make the boat go? I mean, it isn't all their effort that makes the boat go. No, they have some effort. They have things they need to do, but why? Why are they doing them? So that the sails can catch the wind. Well, that is the way these things that we need to do in our life. We gotta say, oh, God, I want to know you. I, I, I want to know you more than I want anything else in life. All right, now what am I gonna do? Well, I need to put some sails to the wind then. And I go back in his word. And instead, now, instead of reading his word because I need to read the Bible to be a good Christian, I can check that off my list for the day. I read the Bible. No, no, I'm reading the Bible because, God, I want to know you. I want to know what you think about things. I want to know the way you say things are. I want to know what your heart is. I, I want to know how, how I connect with that and how I become. Do you see the difference in how you be reading your Bible? One way is trying to read it because you're trying to be a good Christian. The other is reading because you want to know God. You want to know Jesus. And so prayer becomes the same kind of thing. Prayer is no longer about just, oh, I got to pray to check the box off or pray because I need God to do all these things in my life. That's fine. But I'm praying because I want to have this conversation with God so I can get to know him because nothing is more important to me than knowing him. And when I get to know him that way, what happens to me and you? We grow to be like him. I want to get together with other Christians. I don't got to get together with Christians because, man, I'm a church member and I got to go to another thing. I got to go do that. No, no, no. I'm going because, you know what? Jesus lives in us. And he lives in you. And, me. and I, want to, I want to know him. And so I want to know what he's doing in your life, how he's working in you. And I want you, we're going to share this. And we're going to get to know him better. Do you see how this changes your approach to things and your mindset? And some of you may have already had that mindset. Great. Remember it. Because life has a way of undermining that and pulling you away from that. And you get back into the do and to be good kinds of things. All right, there's a little bit of time left here. Let's see. All right, so we're still not quite there with what we need to do. How does all of this then help us to grow to be like the Lord? We're talking about getting to know him. How does this get us to grow to be like the Lord? Well, the Apostle John said in his first letter, he said, beloved, now we are children of God, right? We've received Christ. Now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. We don't know how this is all gonna work out in eternity. We, we have ideas, and we do know some things, but we don't know for sure how it's all gonna be. And he continues this, he says, but we know that when he is revealed to us, when Christ is revealed to us, either when we go to be with him or he comes to take us back, we know that when he is revealed, we what? Shall we like him? We're gonna be like him. So here's the deal. We're living a life. He has forever changed us in our spirit. We are like him. We're kind of in process here in our bodies, you know. They're just doing whatever we tell them to do and eventually it dies and rises. But when that all happens, when either we go to be with the Lord or he comes and brings us to be with him, whatever happens here, at that point, the transformation will be done. Won't that be nice? But I want you to understand something. John continues, he says, okay, so we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And so all the things in this life that keep us from really being able to see the Lord and what he's really like and all his glory will be removed. And when we see him that way, that will what? Change us to be like him. 
All right, so here's what I want you to understand is that you don't have to wait for this process to happen. It doesn't, you don't have to wait till you die. You can experience change now. Good, godly change. Because understand this, this verse, we shall be like him, why? For we shall see him as he is. So the more you see him as he is, the more you, you spend time with him in his word and start to see what he is like, what he's really like, not necessarily what you always thought or what the world says, but what he's really like. And as you talk with him and, and you get a sense of, of him communicating back to you through his word and in your spirit and, and you, you see it in other people, the, the more you start to see what the Lord is really like, the more you're gonna be like him. And so that's the more you know about the Lord, that's information, and the more you know the Lord. You understand the difference I'm trying to make there? You aren't just knowing about someone, you also really know them. So the more you know about the Lord and the more you know him, the more you'll become like the Lord. And so what is it you need to do? Well, you do need to have that heartfelt conversation with God when you say, fine, God, look, I... I, I get this now, I mean, I don't get it perfect, but I get it enough to know that what I need to do is I need to know you. And I don't know you like I want to. I, I wanna know you more than I want anything else in life. And, and I struggle with saying that, God, because you know, I got things, but I do, that's what I really, really want. And then you lean into him, get to start doing the things that it takes to get to know him. That is where you're gonna pick up your Bibles and spend time getting to know your Lord and Savior. It is when you're gonna spend time talking with him. You are going to actually even serve him because in serving him you learn what the Lord is like because Jesus said, hey, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. I mean, so see, all these things that we have tried to do to be good Christians, when we, we get away from that and we start saying, no, I wanna know the Lord, these things also become like nuclear reactors, spiritual nuclear reactors in our lives. And it changes us to be like the Lord. And I tell you what, when this starts happening, this spiritual nuclear reactor starts you know, spilling out here and starts changing how you think about life and change the decisions you make and starts to change how you feel about life. It's gonna change how you live the life out here in the world. And I guarantee you, it will all of a sudden become much easier to not be silent about the good news because you are experiencing the good news. The good news is no longer something that happened to you when you received Christ. The good news is Christ in your life right now that started back then. And your life will be such that you will be able to understand and say with people, come, taste and see that the Lord is good. He is good. And that will be the reality in your life. Let's bow our heads here in prayer just a minute. God stirring anybody's heart today? The Holy Spirit taking his word and saying, yes, come know me. Stop doing to do and come to know me. And, and any of you, if you're saying today, yeah, I see that, I wanna know him, I do wanna, just raise your hand, say, I wanna know him better. If that's you today, I wanna know him better, yeah. I right, thank you. Father, I pray that we will let this message soak in. And Lord, we've covered so much information today. I 
I know that that can slip away from us, but God, please let this one thing not slip away from us. Stir our hearts. Give us this, this sense of unrest until we start moving toward wanting to know you above all else. And then, Lord, that we would begin to shape our lives to do the things we need to do to know you. And all of this, Lord, you become known in our lives because we become like you and, and people can see it and, and, and our lives begin to have an overflow. I pray, Lord, you'd do these things. We need you to do it. You are so worthy of this and we so need it. Thank you that you're working. And please continue to do so. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.